0: All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am talking about the possibility of a rumor that the Falcons could go out there and replace Vic Beasley with Dante Fowler in free agency. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network. Your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, I've been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter at FalcFans and of course the host of this world-renowned Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. And today's episode, we are going to be talking a little bit about a rumor from Tony Pauline of the Pro Football Network talking about the idea that Dante Fowler wants to be an Atlanta Falcon as an impending free agent. And we'll get into a conversation about that possibility, the plausibility of that happening. And it's not necessarily to sort of have that conversation in the sense of, hey, this is definitely going to happen or this is definitely not going to happen. It's more conversation because it lets me touch on some subjects that I want to talk about. You know, and truth be told, you know, we need things to talk about in this week after the Super Bowl where it's kind of dead. And nothing's really going on. We appreciate the Falcons for, you know, making that odd announcement about not keeping Vic Beasley because it gave me something to talk about on yesterday's podcast. But until they announce, you know, four more free agents that they're not going to keep, uh, you know, I got to fill up this week with content. And this conversation, this report, this rumor, whatever you want to say uh, from Tony Pauline allows me to have a conversation about the Falcon salary cap situation has allows me to have a conversation about their free agent and draft plans. And it just allows you guys to sort of wet your beak a little bit, you know, over a month ahead of time. We're about what six weeks away from free agency. So just to, you know, have some idea swirling your head. And so, you know, today's episode is more about. Let's have a conversation about what if this did happen uh, and what would it mean as opposed to this is definitely a thing that's going to happen or this is definitely a thing that won't happen. And so without further ado, let's jump right into that lead story. So the report from Tony Pauline of the Pro Football Network, he wrote in a recent mailbag where he was asked about Vic Beasley leaving. He said, I'm told that Dante Fowler wants to play in Atlanta for the Falcons. It's going to cost a pretty penny, but if the Falcons offer Fowler a competitive offer, I think he ends up in Atlanta. So this is an interesting dot connection from Tony Pauline. The Falcons clearly have a need for edge rusher. Dante Fowler clearly has a connection with Dan Quinn that's been well known since the 2015 draft. For those of you that don't know, Fowler spent one year with Quinn as his position coach and defensive coordinator all the way back in Florida when Fowler was a freshman there back in 2012. The next year, Quinn of course rejoined the Seattle Seahawks as their defensive coordinator and Fowler went on to have a very productive career at Florida before being the number three overall draft selection by the Jacksonville Jaguars in that 2015 draft. Of course, the Falcons wound up taking Vic Beasley five picks later. Of course, the team also announced earlier this week that After five up and down seasons for Beasley in Atlanta, 2019 would be his last and the impending free agent will be allowed to walk in free agency come March uh, entering 2020 Fowler of course is also a free agent. And as Pauline also stated in his mailbag, it's coming off a very strong year, had 11 and a half sacks, a career high for him this past season with the Los Angeles Rams. Looking at some of his other sort of advanced pass rushing metrics from this past season, according to ESPN's pass rush win rate, he was ranked ninth among edge rushers this past season. And that pass rush win weight measures whether a defender can beat a block in under two and a half seconds. You look at pro football focus, pass rush productivity, which looks at how many sacks and hits and and hurries a player gets on a per snap basis. He ranked 19th among edge rushers, this past season. Fowler's 2019, according to Pro Football Focus, his highest graded game as a pass rusher came against the Atlanta Falcons back in week seven, where he totaled seven pressures, including three sacks and a hit, uh, mostly dominating Falcons. Rookie right tackle Kayla McGarry in that game, and we've seen in the past where the Falcons have been attracted to defensive linemen in free agency that have previously performed very well against them in previous seasons. Most notably, you had Don Terry Poe had a monster game against the Falcons when he was with the Chiefs in 2016. And then the Falcons went out and signed him in free agency in 2017. Derek Shelby was a dominant force in a preseason game when he played for the Miami Dolphins all the way back in 2015. And the very next offseason when he was a free agent, the Falcons scooped him up. Fowler like Beasley has had his fair share of ups and downs as a player since entering the league back in 2015. He missed his rookie season with a torn ACL, then came back, had you know some mild production, 12 sacks over the next two years with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but didn't wasn't quite living up to expectations in that time period with him out of the lineup. They had a young player by the name of Yannick Ngakwe sort of surpass him as their sort of go-to edge rusher alongside Cal- Calais Campbell and Malik Jackson in Jacksonville and sort of follow with sort of fourth fiddle for them them. Then Gakwe is also a free agent this upcoming March and Fowler wound up getting traded from the Jaguars midway through the 2018 season to the la rams for a third round pick he finished 2018 with four sacks total uh before resigning with the rams on sort of a one-year prove-it deal but it was a very lucrative prove-it deal where the rams paid him 12 million dollars this past season and as pauline said fowler's not going to be cheap coming off of that year making 12 million dollars certainly it seems likely that given how well he played on that one-year prove-it deal he's Certainly in line to make considerably more this offseason. And whether that will come from Atlanta and whether the Falcons can afford that remains to be seen. We know that the need is there, but can the Falcons sort of scrape t- together the cash in order to make Pauline's rumor a strong possibility come March? Time will tell. So we will continue the conversation about whether or not Fowler. Or, really, we're going to get into the conversation about whether or not the Falcons can afford Fowler, and sort of that will play a part in sort of the quote unquote plausibility of this rumor. But we know that the Falcons are looking to increase their performance in terms of their pass rush on the football field. But you guys can increase your performance and gain a little bit of extra confidence in the bedroom by checking out Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. BlueChew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy it ships straight to your door in a discreet package and since it's made in the usa and prepared and shipped direct it's cheaper than a pharmacy right now you can take advantage of this special offer by visiting blue and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code locked on just pay five dollars shipping again that's b-l-u-e chew.com promo code locked on to try it for free blue Chew is the better cheaper and faster choice So let's talk money and hypotheticals when it comes to Dante Fowler and sort of the idea of, okay, as I just mentioned, he's coming off of a year where he made $12 million and on a one-year prove-it deal, and he's probably going to make a lot more. And and the way that you can sort of compare this to, think about Don Terry Poe. Remember the Falcons signed Poe to a one-year $8 million deal in 2017. It was kind of a prove-it deal. He was coming off some back issues. He had a, a pretty down 2016 with the Chiefs. Uh, you know, injury riddled type of year. And it was like, okay, does anybody want to guarantee a 340 pound defensive tackle with back issues, a whole bunch of money. Like he was looking for that offseason, Not really. So the Falcons were able to get him on a relative bargain on a one year, $8 million deal. He had a good, solid 2017, a solid year, held up, played a bunch of snaps that year, was a difference maker for the Falcons, stopping the run, being a force in the red zone. I think a big reason why the Falcons red zone defense was so good. And again, as I mentioned before, one of the reasons why I think the Falcons were so attracted to Poe is because in that Chiefs game in 2016, he was a dominant force in the red zone. Why the Falcons had one of the worst performances of their season in terms of converting in the red zone against that Chiefs because of Fowler. I mean, not Fowler, because of Poe and Christian. Jones and, and Justin Houston really you know just dominating the Falcons offensive line when they got inside the 20 but we saw Poe after that year in 2017 sign a much bigger contract with the Panthers the following offseason signed a three-year 28 million dollar deal that averages over nine million dollars a year got about 15 million dollars in guaranteed money you know you look at sort of Fowler's potential market price he's turning twenty six. This upcoming August, you look at what Whitley merciless just signed he 's a thirty year old guy He just signed an extension for thirteen and a half million a year with the Texans. You look at Zedarius Smith, who was twenty six last off season when he signed with the Packers. He averaged a contract averaging $16.5 million a year. You saw D Ford, same age, $17 million a year. Trey Flowers, same age, $18 million a year last offseason. So I think that's really sort of the price range there where I would expect Fowler to want his market to be, somewhere in that $16 to $18 million range, possibly even higher. And obviously guaranteed money when it comes to these contracts is really what matters. You saw Flowers get the most with $56 million. Ford got about around $45 million. Uh, Smith got about $34 million when you count in future. Uh, guarantees, not necessarily guaranteed at signing. Now, as I said, I think I said it on yesterday's podcast. If you go all the way back to 2015, the, the of those premier sort of projected first round picks, the followers, the Dupree's, the, the Shane Ray's and, and the Vic Beasies in that 2015 draft watching the, the tape, not really the tape, but watching the cutups on YouTube. Fowler was the guy I liked the most in that draft class, um, but he didn't test particularly well, you know, didn't have he had a, a really good 40, a really good 10 yard split uh showing some burst off the edge but his broad jump his three cone weren't particularly good but you know now that we've got 5 years of watching him play I don't really question his his burst his explosiveness or anything like that his ability to bend the edge like those uh metrics are supposed to be testing You know, you have 60 plus games of him as a pro player. You don't really need to pay too much attention to the combine stuff. So, you know, you can kind of throw that stuff out the window. But that was one of the reasons why I was like, oh, I like Fowler as a player, but I don't know if he's going to be the best pass rusher out of this draft class because I don't know if he has the athleticism to, you know, be that sort of difference maker. And I think he's shown enough, certainly in his time, that that's not necessarily a question, particularly coming off of this season. But, for example, let's just assume whether or not the Falcons can afford to pay Fowler that type of money, that D4 type of money, you know, Ford side five year, $85 million contract that averaged $17 million a year. And what's going to be difficult for the Falcons because of their cap situation, as I've mentioned on a number of podcasts over the last couple of weeks, is this 30% rule. And for those of you that don't understand the 30% rule basically says that your salary from 2020 to 2021 can't increase by more than 30%. So, for example, if your salary in 2020, this upcoming season is $10 million, it can't go up more than $3 million the following year. So your max salary can be in 2021, $13 million. Your max salary in 2022 can be $16 million. It can only go up by $3 million at most in each subsequent year because of the way of not having a CBA. Now, once the CBA gets signed, which I don't think it's going to happen this off season, despite various rumors. And I know Pauline mentioned that in his mailbag, uh, once the CBA gets Done. You don't have to live by that thirty percent rule until you know it's only because the, the the NFL is in their final year under this current CBA, and twenty twenty one is a technically called an uncapped year. So the difficulty is going to be is the way that this this thirty percent rule impacts contracts is you're not able to backload these contracts like the teams normally do, where you can start off where if you're you know in a normal off season uh, you know, for an $85 million contract, you could have like, you know, the, the first year of the contract be worth like eight, m- $5 million or $8 million. And then like the fifth year of the contract be worth like $30 million or something like that. And it just sort of goes up as the contract goes. And that's how you can sort of structure a contract. Cause it's like, well, we're never going to get to the fifth year of the contract. It's really just a three year or four year contract or something like that. And we can structure it that way. The 30% rule makes that difficulty. And so when you look at a potential and sort of playing around with the numbers, I'm sitting here saying like, okay, if you're going to pay Dante Fowler, this type of money, You know, you're looking at a cap hit in year one of like $10 million. You're looking at a cap hit, probably $12 million or possibly even more. And that's going to be kind of difficult for the Falcons to sort of fit under their contract. This is sort of for those of you out there, which is not myself, but there are certainly vocal members out there that are sitting here saying this is why the Falcons can't afford to spend any money on on Austin Hooper. Yeah, I think this is your argument where it's like, okay, we have to let Hooper go so that you can go out there and sign a player of Dante Fowler's ability, because it's very difficult for me to see a plausible way where the Falcons can afford both of those guys. They kind of have to choose one or the other. So if you're willing to buy in on this rumor about Fowler wanting in in Atlanta and buying in that the Falcons have sort of a mutual feeling about Fowler, we'll talk about that a little bit later then you're kind of being like well we have to let Austin Huber. that's the sacrifice we have to make in order to make this deal done and if you're a fan of Fowler then i wouldn't sit here and say that you're a crazy person i don't necessarily have a strong take on whether fowler's worth it you know that's subjective i haven't sat down and really watched his his 2019 season to really see what his Film says. You know, I know he was dominant in the Falcons game. That's really the only game I was paying attention to the Rams this season. Um, but I would have to go back and watch the other, you know, 15 games that he played this season to really tell if, okay, did he have a legitimately good season that the numbers are suggesting, or was it kind of inflated to a certain extent? But again, the numbers, the metrics, you know, ESPN, Pro Football Focus seem to suggest that he was pretty solid this year. Um, You know, wasn't elite, wasn't, you know, the, the second coming of Khalil Mack, but certainly based off his performance, clearly an upgrade over anything the Falcons currently have as far as their edge rusher. But you wonder, okay, is he kind of a one year wonder? Because prior to this season, he was more kind of a six to eight sack guy. And then he has this monster season where he looks like a legitimate double digit sack guy, at least based off of these metrics. You know, is that a one year wonder? Is that a contract year bump? Is that a guy that once he gets paid, he's going to return to being more of that six to eight sack guy. And if you're paying, you know, 17 million dollars a year for a guy that's getting six to eight sacks, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, too much money, some would argue. So that's the question. Then you have to wonder, okay, if he had this monster year in a full year on Wade Phillips' defense, in the 3-4 defense, would he have similar production in the Falcon scheme? I don't know. See, these are questions I have. I don't have the answers to these. So I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other in terms of the Falcons should get Fowler, the Falcons shouldn't get Fowler. Just sitting here speculating, having a conversation about this. So that's one of the things I might wind up or I probably certainly wind up doing over the next couple of days or weeks is sitting down, you know, as we get closer to free agents, sitting down and actually watching some of these uh, pass rushers to see if the Falcons will really sort of target any of these guys to sort of quote unquote fix their need for an edge rusher. But again, as I said, if. Fowler is legitimately if I come away watching the film thinking Fowler is legitimately a double digit sack guy, I certainly think you can make the argument not saying I would make the argument, but certainly I think it's a fair argument. I wouldn't necessarily fight somebody on this that you can make an argument that adding a double digit sack guy to enhance will do more to enhance defense than, you know retaining Hooper will to enhance the offense, given the question marks we have with Dirk Cutter. And you can certainly make the argument that, Hey, the offense is a lost cause. I've heard other people who <laughs> make that argument. The offense is a lost cause. So the Falcons just sink all their money into, um, you know, fixing the defense and upgrading that unit as much as possible. I don't quite agree with that sentiment, but I certainly understand that sentiment. And I don't think that's a crazy sentiment to have, you know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like I hear where you're coming from on that. I don't 100% agree. Cause you know, I'm, I'm a little biased towards the offense. And you know, I, I always remain skeptical of the Falcons defense. And even if you do spend a bunch of money on the defense, I don't know if it's going to pay off. As quickly as you want, but maybe the investments you make in the defense in 2020 pay off for you in 2021. That's usually the trend of how it happens. You spend a lot of money in free agency in year one. And then in year two, it pays off for you. Um, we saw that with the Giants a couple of years ago. We saw that with the Vikings many, many years ago when they went out and got guys like Pat Williams and, and others. That's how I sort of think about it. But again, that's a conversation for that. We'll get into that conversation later in the off season uh, as we approach free agency and whatnot. So, something to think about. That's all I'm sitting here saying. Like, it's something to think in theory. I think it makes sense. You know, this is a plausible theory that's, you know, if if you want to go gung ho on that theory, by all means do so. If you're a little skeptical of that theory, then, you know, be skeptical about it. I don't, I, I haven't sat here and thought about it enough or really done the research to really come hard one way or the other. And again, a big part of that research is to look at the film of some of these guys like Dante Fowler and whatnot. So, we will continue today's conversation in talking about sort of, okay, let's say the Falcons do go out there and get Dante Fowler. What does this mean to the draft situation? And since we're talking about the draft, why not talk about, and you guys listen to the three podcasts devoted to the draft on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can find the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast, the Draft Dudes Podcast, and the Lockdown College Football Draft Podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So, you know, the thing that I haven't addressed quite yet in this podcast, and I'm sure some of you are sitting here saying, like, Aaron, why haven't you talked about this thing? Why are you giving this rumor from Tony Pauline, of all people, any credit? He's the guy that had the Falcons selecting Christian Wilkins in the first round, and they didn't do it. He's he's, he's, he's full of it or whatever. He has zero credibility or anything like that. And I, Look, I don't think that's fair. You know, particularly when it comes to draft, like the the draft is a crapshoot. You're guessing you're throwing darts at the board blind in the dark, you know, with your offhand trying to figure out what teams are going to do with their draft picks. Particularly, you know, you can you can make pretty strong, educated guess in the first like seven or eight picks. But after that point, someone's going to do something weird, like the Giants taking Daniel Jones, which was unexpected. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's going to have this domino effect with the draft. So I wouldn't hold too many people. Uh wrong with that you know i didn't necessarily buy into the the notion that they were going to take christian wilkins because my own source was telling me that they were focusing on an offensive line uh last off season. but i don't think it's fair to you know be like oh this this rumor is, is is bunk because it's coming from tony pauline um i think tony pauline gives interesting info i think he gets enough stuff right in my eyes to at you know, at least listen to what he says and, and come away thinking things are plausible. I wouldn't take anything. Everything he says is gospel. I wouldn't outright dismiss it. I would just say it's plausible information. I think that's really the conversation here. This is plausible. I think it's very plausible that Dante Fowler would want to come to Atlanta, right? To rejoin Dan Quinn and feel like this is, the, this is where I wanted to be. This is where I, who I wanted to be with in 2015, but then the Jaguars screwed it up and, and drafted me. And yeah, I had, you know, Some nice years in Jacksonville was my hometown team, or I guess Tampa Bay technically is hometown team. But, um, you know, you know, I was living close to home, but Atlanta was the place I really wanted to be because I I love me some Dan Quinn. I think that's plausible. I also think it's plausible that the Falcons could target him if they have the money to spend. Now, I think it's questionable as we just had a long conversation about whether or not the Falcons have the money to spend that type of money on a guy like Fowler. Um, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Certainly, if they can be very proactive with how they restructure several contracts and maybe free up a little bit more cap space than I'm currently projecting them to have, to go out there and make a big splash in free agency. Now, my personal opinion is I don't think they. I'm not expecting them to make that splash. Again, this is a guess, educated guess based off of what I think their cap situation is likely to look like and as well as their past actions when it comes to free agent spending on defensive linemen and pass rushers. But my guess is that they will make some low-key low, low key moves, some mid-level moves, as they have done a number of times with signings like Brooks Reed and Jack Crawford and Derek Shelby, etc. I don't see the big, splashy, sexy move like a Dante Fowler would wind up being, given the price tag that I'm expecting him to be at. I'm thinking more along the lines of they go after a guy like Michael Bennett, who's going to be probably like 30 cents on the dollar compared to a Dante Fowler, re-signing a guy like... Adrian Claiborne for a similar price tag, cutting Alan Bailey and bringing him back on a cheaper deal, something along those lines, going out there and getting some veteran players that can enhance the rotation. But I think they're more than likely going to head into the draft, believing that, okay, we're going to get our big time pass rusher in the draft rather than necessarily spending the type of money to get a true difference maker in free agency. That's my expectation. But again, that's just a guess, but at the same time, you know, they could be willing to make a bigger splash and going after a guy like Fowler again, that's plausible. So I think it's really an interesting conversation to say, okay, let's say the Falcons do wind up doing this. How does that affect their draft plans? Would it take edge rusher off the table at pick 16? Maybe not completely. We we know that the Falcons could "quote unquote" double dip as they did last off season, uh, with their offensive line going out in free agency, and getting guys like Brown and Carpenter, and, and re-signing Sam Brelo uh, and spending most of their free agent dollars on offensive linemen, and then using their top two picks on offensive linemen. It's that's certainly a plausibility. The Falcons could go out there and make a big splash in free agency and sign a guy like Dante Fowler, and then be like, you know what? We still need to get another pass rusher, particularly if they don't wind up giving Tack McKinley the fifth. Year Option and basically, like, well, we don't know if Tack's gonna be back next year. And given that we spent all this money on Dante Fowler, where even if he has a good year, we're not gonna necessarily be as willing to pay that big type of money. So let's get our Tack McKinley replacement right now rather than waiting a year from now. You know, that's a plausible outcome. Not saying it's going to happen, not saying it won't happen, but again, plausible. So the issue is going to be though. If you don't do that, if let's say you do give the fifth year option for Tack McKinley and then you do wind up paying Fowler, that's a lot of money, you know, and so then it makes you think, OK, well, maybe you'll go in a different direction because it's like if you give Fowler that type of money, you're committing to that guy being your lead dog. And as far as your rush, you're paying him, you know, eighty five million dollars over five five years. That's like, oh, this guy is, is going to be our lead dog for the next three plus years. Um, now, then you can get into the conversation about whether or not this coaching staff is going to last the three plus years to make that come to fruition. But that's a, another different conversation. We're not talking about that today. So you could at least make the argument that they could make a big splash here. What does that lead to them with their draft? You know, and, and this is part of the reason why I don't spend as much time obsessing about mock drafts as maybe other people do and in, in, in scouring the draft or who's this mock draft and assessing this and evaluating this. We certainly do mock draft Mondays on this podcast because I think it's an interesting conversation to have. I think it's great thought experiments as. This episode is kind of and sort of having conversations about, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? If this were to happen, if this and that sort of thing, I like having those conversations. But I do think we need to wait until free agency to see what happens in free agency. And that's why I don't pay too much attention to January mocks and February mocks. And it's like, okay, like that's an interesting thing. But we know that teams in that first few days of free agency are going to make some big splash signings. And someone's probably going to make a big splash signing for Dante Fowler. And you know, that's going to take some needs off the table and that's going to completely rearrange how we look at the first round, right? You know, if someone goes out there and and trades for Cam Newton, then all of a sudden, and they're a top 10 team that we're talking about making, taking quarterback, are they going to take a quarterback? I don't know. You know, if someone goes out there and signs Dante Fowler and we're sitting here talking about them, Oh, they're going to be, you know, looking at a first round edge. Are they going to do that? Including the Falcons? I don't know. Seems doubtful. So, if Fowler is the guy, if the Falcons go out there and make it, whether it's Fowler or somebody else, to make a big splash of free agency for an edge rusher, let's say they don't go edge in round one. What does that mean in terms of what other directions do they go? Do they go O line? Do they go interior D line? Do they go out there and get another D tackle? Do they go out there and get a linebacker? Do they go out and get a defensive back, cornerback, right? You know, all the people that sit here say, oh, they're not going to take a corner. Maybe cornerback goes back on the table, right? Maybe they take a safety. Maybe they look at a running back. Maybe they look at a tight end, right? Let's, let's say, okay, in this scenario where we're sitting here saying they go out and get Dante Fowler, that means they got to let uh, Austin Hooper walk. Well, now tight end shoots up the, the list of priority moves that they have to fill. Again, because I don't, I hope that, you know, I like Jaden Graham. Don't get me wrong, but I really hope this team is not basically like, oh, yeah, Jaden Graham was decent for three games. Let's make him a starter. You know who else was decent for three games? Giorgio Tavecchio. You know who else? Ty Sambrello, how the hell well did that work out for the Falcons in 2019? So hopefully the Falcons aren't making that same mistake uh, there and basically, going, oh, we don't need to go out and dress the Titan. But again, that's a conversation for another day. Let's say the Falcons look at tight end and say, hey man, we need to get a tight end. Let's say they look at Dayton's Adam Troutman, who personally, based off of my evaluations, I think is the best tight end in this draft class. He was at the Senior Bowl. We know they love all star game guys. Let's say Adam Troutman, and I'm kind of expecting this, goes out in the combine and has a really monster combine and you know puts up Noah Fant type athleticism, TJ Hawkinson type athleticism, and all of a sudden, you know, the guy that people have been sort of projecting as a day three pick in mini mock drafts right now starts to look like, oh, this guy's a lock to be a top fifty pick, this guy might even sneak into the late latter part of round one. And, you know, does that mean that he's in the mix at pick 16? Okay, maybe that's a little rich for your blood, but maybe we start talking about the Falcons trading back instead of the yearly conversation we have about the Falcons trading up for Chase Young or whatever. By the way, Tony Pauline talked about how Scouts are thinking Chase Young's a little overrated. I thought that was an interesting nugget. But again, that's a conversation for another day. Go, definitely go check out the article, profootballnetwork.com. But uh, let's say the Falcons are sitting there like, yeah, we need to get a tight end. We love Adam Troutman. We think 16 is too rich. Let's see if we can trade back. Right? And let's say they trade back to 21 with Philadelphia, who's looking to move up for a wide receiver. Let's say they trade back to 25 with Minnesota, who's looking to move up for a cornerback. Let's say they trade back to 29 with Tennessee, who's looking to get that edge rusher that were previously projected by. To the Falcons at 16. All of those are plausible. Again, any number of possibilities. And so, like, this is why I like having these conversations. Not to sit here and be like, oh, the Falcons are definitely going to get Dante Fowler. It's like, oh, well, what if they got Dante Fowler? What would it mean? What would be the domino effect? Right. And you can have these conversations and these thought experiments in February because we have no idea what's going to happen. We have no idea whether Adam Troutman's going to have this monster combine and all of a sudden when we get to March mock drafts, they're going to be start projecting Adam Troutman in round one as a possibility pick when you don't see that in January and February mocks, right? All of a sudden, Oh, the, you know, everybody's pegging the Falcons for an edge rusher in round one in all the mock drafts, AJ Epinesa, Kalevon chase on, and all of a sudden, boom, they take Dante Fowler and all of a sudden, the dreaded cornerback goes back to the top of the list and all the people that talk trash on all the mock drafts and like, well, I guess it's kind of a little bit more plausible now. Hmm? Again, I think these are all interesting conversations to have. And that's what we just had on today's episode. So appreciate what you guys feedback on that. What do you think the Falcons would do? All right, Hit me up on Lockdown Falcons at com, on Lockdown Falcons on Twitter, Lockdown Falcons on Facebook. What do you think? If the Falcons went after Fowler, whether you think they should or should not. I'm open to that conversation as well. Uh, And that comment and that feedback as well. But let's say if they went out and made that big, sexy splash free agent guy to get the edge rusher to sort of, you know, make people forget about Vic Beasley. Who do you think the Falcons, what position do you think the Falcons should go after? in And I don't know. Tell me, I'm eager to hear your responses guys. So, There you have it on today's episode of the Lockdown Falcons podcast, the world-renowned Lockdown Falcons podcast here on Wednesday. So we'll be back later this week to talk about other stuff. I'll find some other ways to generate two more shows of content uh, this week. And of course, you can hit me up for, you know, hey, Aaron, ask questions. I can answer them. We can do a mailbag, right? And that's always an easy way to get uh, cheap and easy content right on the podcast. Uh, So hit me up. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.